Hello, welcome to the Session 6 Sport Performance Podcast powered by Weight Endurance. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my lovely host, <laughs> Kathy Waite. Hi, everybody. <laughs> She's struggling a little bit here, dreaming of a glass of wine. <laughs> so we have to wait till after the podcast is well, over. Well, it was just a busy day. I drove up to Fort Collins and back to pick up Emma from college for Thanksgiving break, and I don't like driving, so I'm worn out and going to fake it till I make it right now. <laughs> yeah, the wine will be after the podcast. Until then, we have tea, right? Woo! Okay, that's too loud. <laughs> Just testing the audio quality. <laughs> um, well, welcome back. This podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program, taking you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and mm-hmm. training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. Just yes, rolls sir. off the tongue. It does. We're on to um, episode 17. The main topic is event selection or selecting your races for the coming season. Episode 16, previous episode, we talked about goal setting and this that was sort of step one in thinking about planning for your next season. And event selection then is step two, essentially. Um, quite often, your goals are tied into usually like the A race, so to speak, like your big race or two races of the next season. Uh, but there's many other races that you should be considering um, in addition to your A races. And we'll talk about how to pick races, how many is too many, how many is maybe not enough, prioritizing them, kind of A, B, C. Everyone has like, heard of that concept but um, and has a basic idea, but I just wanted to run over kind of how that can work. Yeah, it's fun to, to talk about what you're going to do the next year, Yeah, especially when you wake up to a snowy sort of dreary day and yeah. you're dreaming of sunshine and, and dry trails. Yeah. So you think about your season, hopefully it gets you excited and keeps you motivated and, or gets you motivated. Maybe if you're not motivated yet, um, to get into your, your training. And then we'll also touch on base builder. We're going into week 14 already. Um, how many weeks we were like tw- 24 total, right? No, 30, Six, 32. 32. Okay. So we're closing in on the halfway point already of Wow, base it's, builder it's flown by, honestly. Yeah, it's but. crazy. Um, <clears throat> so we'll talk about base builder week 14. Um, have a few things that are going on with that as we make our kind of each week we're progressing definitely on the bike, on the trainer, and even to some degree in the strength room too. So, um, well, What have we been up to? When we p- recorded last Friday, I had a sore back, a spasmy back, and you had a chest cold. Yeah, I had like a <laughs> sore throat and thought I was getting sick. We were kind of falling apart last week. Yeah, we were. But we, we re- rebounded and Yeah, we rallied. <laughs> rallied. Yeah, I had sort of like a miraculous turn with my back. I had had three days of some like manual therapy yeah. with the physical therapist next door at Cascade PT. And then some easy riding on the trainer on Thursday. And so th- Saturday morning, I woke up and felt good enough to attempt our long ride. And we rode about 50 miles, and it was like a miracle. Like, that afternoon I had zero pain, yeah. and the back spasms didn't come back. It was an easy 50, easy pace 50. But yeah, but we did almost 4,000 feet yeah, of climbing again. Climbing. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it goes to show, like, a lot of our, what would you say, our physical ailments of getting older. If you, like... Keep moving. Yeah, if you don't... If you, like, pull something or strain something or your back goes out, like in your case, um, the tendency is to, like, want to rest. And 
it's yeah, almost... sometimes you have to, I guess. But like, I was getting counsel from the PTs about what to do, and yeah, they said keep moving. Like, do these exercises, yeah. do this, ride your bike. I think that's the way to go. I mean, yeah, way back I when usually I feel my, better when I move. When I had my back issue, I always felt better after riding than I did before riding, and riding kind of kept things going. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really great. Um, and you didn't end up really getting a chest cold. I don't know what that was. I think it was an infection from you blowing leaves. Yeah. Well, and a shout out to our sponsor, ASEA, uh, which we're renewing again with for 2020 for, I think, the 11th season um, with ASEA, which is really cool. Um, and um, I guzzled a whole bunch of that for several days, and I think that really helped prevent it from becoming a full-blown ordeal. Yeah, A-S-E-A, ASEA, if you guys want to check it out. They have a lot of products. Um, And then we did both decide to jump into our local cross race at Bear Creek Lake Park, and it's called the Rattler Cross. Our friend Dave does a whole series called Rattler Racing. He does such a great job. He's a wonderful person. Anyway, and his daughter was on our We Devo team the first year. So we jumped in on Sunday morning, and it's such a fun race. So fun on these zippy creek trails on our cross bikes. But it had significant running in it, so my hamstring was pretty messed up the next day. But I will say that um, although Sophia beat me, it was less than a minute, and I executed what I said to you was my goal for next year's races, that I started out strong, I started out aggressively, uh, Sophia had given me a pep talk as we did a warm-up about believing in myself and, okay. Mom, just go for it. Just get right on someone's wheel. So I, I did, and I was really proud of how I raced. I, I ended up six. I couldn't have gone any faster. My heart rate was like 178 for a long time. That's high for me. Yeah. It was a blast, though. I, I'm really glad that we got to do that. Yeah, it was a fun race. Kind of finished our, in air quotes, cyclocross yeah. season. I think we did. <laughs> our whole season. Six or seven races, but... Um, but yeah, that was that was definitely fun to yeah, get out there. Yeah, Dave does such a good job on those races. Yeah. And there's um, photographic evidence of our lack of cyclocross skills. Yes, there's oh, a lot of photos on Facebook. Of me pushing my bike through the sand instead of the shoulder carry. I don't have a clue how to do it. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, if I decide to do these races next year, I need our friend Doug to help me. But yeah, that was it. Anything else you want to say about our week? Uh, not that I can think of. Um, I mean, in the gym, in, in you know, at session six, we we just had a good had a, a good, good week, week yeah, solid training. We got um, the WeDevo newer athletes kind of squared away finally with like their appropriate one rep maxes in their in their strength spreadsheet, so that I feel comfortable about setting them free now. So that reduces some stress in our our nighttime classes. Yeah, and that goes uh, probably for anyone starting our program with the using that strength spreadsheet is. If, if your first season in particular, it's like there's a little bit of trial and error of figuring out sort of what to set as those one rep max numbers that that then all of the workouts are sort of based off of via yeah. a percentage. Very much like having an FTP in your workout is based off of a percentage of your FTP if you're like in erg mode, right? So it's sort of the erg mode of strength training, um, our spreadsheet. And yeah, we, we, we've really been trying to figure it out for like a month and a half where I started them out kind of easy and then I would ask them the next day, like, what's your level of soreness? And then we would do that again and again and again. Sometimes they were too sore and sometimes they weren't sore. So we've been kind of playing around with what are the appropriate numbers. 
Well, that's so good. I, I feel like we, I think we've hit it now. Um, but you may have, people may have experienced that at home as well. It's okay to sort of mess around with your numbers until you get it right. Yeah. And change things because like we've said in other episodes, it's like with the strength training, you definitely want to, you should wake up the next day knowing you lifted some weights and did something, but you should never be like ridiculously sore. Right. Um, then you need to definitely look at readjusting. Yeah. Well, it makes the bike workouts yeah. miserable yeah. if you're too sore. Yeah, exactly. So all right, we have some good questions that came through. Should I start with a question from Betsy? Yeah, let's do some questions. So Betsy Williford is one of our remote athletes, and I believe I met with her in person a couple times last year oh, okay. to show her some of the strength stuff and just to do like a baseline evaluation of her core strength. So Betsy, thank you for the question. Um, I'm We're really happy to hear from you. So she starts out with um, just some information. She said, Hi, Cody. I made it to week 11 and established, established my new one rep max for squats and deadlift. I started at 125, 125 pounds for both when I started 11 weeks ago. My new max for both is 150, both meaning the, the back squat and the deadlift. I don't know that I could have success, successfully completed a rep for both any higher, I stopped at 150 mostly mostly because I was alone in the weight room and wanted to maintain safety. Um, is that good progress? She asks, asks. I can't talk. Sorry about that. I feel strong on and off the bike. I also feel like I've made gains in the bike since incorporating strength training. Cool. So let me just interrupt. She has some more things to say. Um, yeah, that's amazing progress to uh, go up 25 pounds in both. I'm not yeah. sure what the exact percentage is. I didn't do the math, but uh, yeah, that's amazing, Betsy. So great job being consistent. And I think it does prove again that it's okay if you choose a number that is air quotes too low mm-hmm. for your first go at the um, strength program on your own or even with us because you're still doing strength work. You're still going to get stronger. Right. <clears throat> I mean, that's just what happens. Two Two days a week of doing weights will make you stronger. And you're going to stay safe if you chose too light anyway. So incredible progress. Really happy to hear that. Um, and probably wise to stop when you had that check inside of yourself. Like, oh, this feels kind of heavy and there's nobody here to watch me. So right. yeah, just stop. Um, and I'll finish her letter now. She says, guess we'll find out soon enough. My season is just about to start. Yeah, she's an unusual athlete because she does the, winter. The snow bike. And, yeah, the fat, snow. The actual fat bike on snow. Yeah, events. it's awesome. I I would never do that because I don't like to be cold. So I admire her. Um, She's locked in on two winter winter ultras on the fat bike this year. First up is Fat Pursuit in the greater Yellowstone area in January. Mm. And then she says, I just found out I made the roster for the White Mountains 100 in Alaska in March. Wow. Oh my gosh. So she's a real... She's um, hardy. She's hardy. (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah, I am like, my hat is off to you, Betsy. That's incredible. That is awesome. I cannot handle if my fingers and toes get a little cold in like 30 degree weather. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of snow. But uh, Well, we'll look forward to hearing how she does. Um, So, Betsy, please get back to us and let us know how both those races go. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. And then she has a final question. She says, are there some other variations I can use for the push-pull upper body workouts? I'm looking to mix things up and maybe incorporate balance work at the same time. Mm, Good question. It is a great question. Um, Right now in our strength program, we have three push-pull sets. Right. Um, They're fairly They're fairly basic. basic. Right. And as we mentioned before, our goal is to add more videos on our YouTube channel, Session 6 Sport Performance. Okay. And we'd like to show our own twists and variations 
on YouTube. Now, in class, I show some things, but they are not available for the, our right. remote plans so yet. Yeah, create those and get those out to. So, in the meantime, followers. Betsy, I'll say two things. It's okay just to keep it simple and keep it standard <laughs> because you can't go wrong with like a basic push up, a basic pull up, a basic bend Definitely over row. Yeah. A ba- I mean, they're 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 just good quality movements. But you can also just Google yourself. There there are probably twenty variations out there that you can easily find for a, a bent over row. Mm-hmm. With two legs, one leg, or using a bench, not using a bench, I, I can go on and on. Right. So um, feel free to add some creativity by doing your own research and stay tuned um, for our videos that we are definitely going to make soon. Yeah, and then another thing to kind of go along with that in, in our um, third phase of mm-hmm. the strength mm-hmm. portion of the base builder we're right now in the second phase. We're all about building strength. The first phase was adapting and getting familiar, then building strength. The third one is the sort of stability phase, and that's where we start to incorporate a lot of, you know, quote unstable movements, you know, unilateral movements, or, you know, things where we're walking or jumping or doing things with weights with weights in yeah. an unstable um, environment. And and we also introduce if people want to look ahead. There's what we call our core to extremity we're, um, exercises, which mm-hmm. I really like that in- incorporate like a, what's an example? Like a, a Turkish get up. Yeah. A Turkish get up. Exactly. It's a we're pretty complicated move. movement. Yeah. Um, and lots of stability. You're using like more or less every muscle in your body to mm-hmm. complete it. Um, you know, renegade, no, that, yeah. Renegade rose is in the core to extremity. I think so, yep. The heavy carries where you're carrying things like at your side or overhead or out in front. Yeah. Of I love those. Um, where you're then, those are just, in my opinion, a little bit more advanced moves. So it's like we, first we build strength and then we can add that instability and it adds variance to the program too, to keep us interested. So, um, so those are to come, but like you said, in the meantime, if you're getting really good at pushups, one, just do more pushups or, you know, you can do pushups on, well, with your hands yeah, or or with your hands on top of plates, you're going lower to the ground yeah, deeper one. i like the one that you just said rings or trx yeah i used to love doing um it, the ring push-ups where the, yeah because it adds some we will add those next week I, I had forgotten about those yeah those are great um so there's a lot of little things like you said so and hopefully we'll get around to doing these videos someday soon um to give more options for that so um good well that's great and then also just to touch quickly on her is that good progress in my opinion any progress is good progress. Everyone's going to have different rates of progress. Typically, the newer someone is to the activity, whether it's strength training or bike riding or both, you're going to see greater progress, quick, more, you know, bigger, bigger more chunks quickly yeah. Yeah, in the earlier seasons, years of doing it. And then as you become better at things, you don't make as much progress. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and... Sadly, it's like I don't really make much progress year to year. In <laughs> fact, now that I'm in my 40s, it's like how can I just hang on to what I've got and not get any slower or not lose, right. you know, go backwards is, is, in my opinion, progress. Although I'm still making tiny, tiny gains in certain areas. So um, any progress is good progress, in my opinion. So oh, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So that's really good. I mean, I, if someone were <laughs> to be coming from the swim background, they would probably embrace that concept better because if you were like a, a sprinter in the pool, if you improve by one hundredth of a second oh, you right. you had made progress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, Betsy, don't don't count on jumping twenty five pounds necessarily next time you test. 
I would say any progress is good progress as well. Yeah, definitely. And this is a lifelong activity, hopefully. It's, you know, and if you stick with it each year, you'll get a little bit better. And, you know, it's a long-term process. It's hard, you know, you want to get better year after year after year. So well done. Um, all right, I'll handle question number two. Um, this one, I'm assuming, is a foreign um, follower here sending this in. Harold Dickoff. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Okay. Don't look at me when you say it like no. that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so Harold Dickoff, um, no joke, D-I-C-K-H-O-F, um, love it. And he speaks in um, kilograms and centimeters in terms of height and weight. So um, I'm assuming he's Europe or at least our non-metric uh, countries here. But anyway, Mr. Dickoff, he says, hello, Cody, my goal is is winning a 50-mile mountain bike marathon next year, Masters 40+. plus. All right. I'm 39. I weigh 90 kilograms. I am 180 centimeters tall. My FTP is 338. My mm. VO2 max is 60. Lactate threshold, heart rate 185. Training hours per week, 6 to 8. And he has 1,000-plus Strava KOMs. So... Um, he sounds like an incredible cyclist. Yeah, sounds amazing. Wow. Um, I think my biggest gain is losing some weight to improve my climbing. What would you What would you recommend as an ideal weight for me for a 50-mile marathon with 12,000 meters? Uh, is that what he means? 12,000? It says altimeters. I don't know. I'm assuming 12,000 meters of climbing. That would be like uh, five. 5,000 feet or something um, of climbing. Uh, further, I'm interested in the underneath two programs. And he lists our um, base builder, 12-week base builder program and our uh, XEM marathon mountain bike race prep program. But he says, are these suitable for my goal? And how can I crunch them in 19 weeks? So I think what he's getting at is he has 19 weeks till his event mm -hmm. and those are 12 weeks and I believe 10 weeks or so 22 weeks okay, total. Yeah. So he wants to know how to kind of make those kind of compress them, I suppose, and make them work. So it's a couple questions within the question. Um, let's address the like weight one, I guess. Um, there's no question that in dropping weight improves your climbing and your strength to weight ratio. I mean, that is sort of the Holy grail. Um, in cycling, especially if there's any climbing involved, is that watts per kg, watts per kilogram. And um, there's definitely no question that losing, in, for most people, losing weight is easier than adding watts um, or gaining fitness. Um, now, let's see. I did some quick math. 90 oh, thank goodness. Okay. kilograms. Um, or did I? I thought I did some quick math. Is it on the other page? Um 90 kilograms at 180. It's oh crap. I should have brought my calculator. Sorry, guys. I'm not prepared. Um, I thought I wrote it down here. I must have misplaced it. But 90 kilograms is like uh, times it by two. Whoops. Get out the calculator here. It is about 198 pounds and 180 centimeters, I believe, is about 5 foot 10. Um, so. It sounds like Harold is on the larger side, mm -hmm. um, height to weight. So, yes, I would agree with him that losing some body mass would be 
very helpful. Yeah, but it's hard to, we never met him, so we don't see a picture of him, but it's hard to know, like, is he, good point. Is he, is he carrying, you know, belly fat or is he just like more of a muscular build? Because we're all built so differently, like kind of like a more of a big boned guy or a a smaller boned guy and just carrying extra weight. Right, right. So it's a little tricky without knowing him. Yeah. And as far as like climbing, I mean, some numbers just to put some perspective to it, I suppose, is, um, I mean, I remember back when I was road racing um, at a very high level many years back, the the, kind of the benchmark for like a good climbing weight um, was always two pounds per inch of body height. Mm. Okay. So that would make someone like myself, I'm like five, nine on a good day. Um, I think it's like 138 pounds. Oh, that's where you've always gotten that. Okay. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, that would be like the you know, skinny climber maximizing your watts per kg, two pounds per inch of height. Uh, now, to put it in his um, kilogram centimeters, um, it would be 0.36 kilograms per centimeter of height. Okay. I can do the math for that. Um, finally, somewhere where, like, the metric units are easier to kind of maybe comprehend. Mm-hmm. Two pounds per inch sounds easier than... 0.36 kilograms per centimeter, but um, <laughs> let's not get off topic there. But anyway, that's kind of like a gold standard for like wanting to be a elite climber, maximizing your watts per kg. For the typical person, I mean, it's fairly hard to do. I'm not there right now. I mean, I'm now at 146-ish pounds, um, and back then I was 100, yeah, 35 to 138 pounds. Um, doesn't mean I... I probably climb, I feel like I climb almost just as well. Maybe not day after day in really long road races like I was doing back then. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those tricky things of, no, you know, his question of like what's, what do you recommend is the ideal weight for me? It's Yeah, a that's little a little tricky. tricky. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, just simply improving one's diet, riding one's bike more, not overeating, um, and just improving the quality of your food, you're and losing some pounds is never going to be a bad thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, to a point. And now, if you start to get under that two pounds per inch of body height category, then you're starting to leave actually some power on the table. So it is kind of a. I mean, th- I'm thinking of some of our younger athletes that we work with that haven't quite fully matured muscularly yet. Mm-hmm. Um, tend to be. Because it's kind of, we always joke, you know, five watts per kilogram for male bike, you know, at threshold for male cycling is like a a gold benchmark Mm -hmm. standard to look for. And we always joke that a lot of these junior riders um, are like six watts per kilogram because they haven't like bulked up yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that they're that powerful. They're just so scrawny. Yeah, scrawny. (laughs) Pardon me. I may have called two of them scrawny last week. Oh. I I hope I didn't hurt their feelings. (laughs) I doubt it. Um, so it's like, you know, if you're under that two pounds per inch of body height, um, you probably could stand to eat some more, pack on some more pounds, i.e., you know, in muscle to get more power, you know, focus more on improving the power side of things. If you're over two pounds per inch of body height, then you likely need to consider dropping some of the weight, um. Not to say that people should strive, the everyday rider should strive for two pounds per inch, because that's actually difficult to get to. You have to be super lean. Um, 
but that is kind of mm-hmm. like a, a a way of looking at which yeah. side are you on. Right, right, you right. Know, are you do you need more power or you need less weight? Yeah, and I just go back to what I said earlier. We don't know what this gentleman looks like, and I mean, I think he he could easily answer the question like, am I am I just carrying like extra belly fat, meaning I eat, I'm eating too much sugar. Or am I like a bigger, stronger build? Yeah. If you're a bigger, stronger build, it's going to be a little trickier to to lighten the load. Right. Um, but if you are carrying extra weight, just think about cleaning up your diet and don't eat sugars you don't consume in a workout. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll, we'll leave it at there. Um, I don't want to create too many eating disorders with people. <laughs> <laughs> How about um, none? Uh, back so the second part of his question was more specific to our training plans. Um, trying to take basically 22 weeks of a training plan, compress them into 19 weeks of time availability. What I would recommend he, he does is um, probably take two weeks off of the like the very beginning of the base builder program because mm-hmm. it does start out very um, you know easy essentially. Um, and I'm going to assume from everything he's sharing, he's experienced enough that he can kind of jump ahead in the base training part. And then, um, and then maybe also likewise, cause he's trying to trim about four weeks, trim maybe the first two weeks of the race prep program as well. So then that way he's taking a 10 week or 12 week base builder, which is our shortest base mm-hmm. builder version cutting it to 10 weeks and then the marathon mountain bike I think is a 10 week plan as it is um, take the first two weeks of that off that kind of compress those together and you'd have the time of, that he needs um, as he builds up towards his a race um, and this may make more sense after we talk about our eight, selecting our a races and stuff um, but that's what for his specific question that's what I would recommend yeah that um, sounds wise to yeah. me. And in general, I mean, I tell people the more t- weeks of base training you can get in, the bigger the fitness you can build over the course of the season. So I'm not a fan of cutting base training short, but it sounds like in his case, he needs to time-wise, and he has the experience to be able to to do that. Yeah, so, right. Um, uh, and some of our listeners might not know that you have so many stock plans out there, so... You should just yeah. give a little plug for that. Okay, sure. Nice um, little segue there or whatever you want to call that. <laughs> yeah, so we have, in addition to our remote base builder program, which is what our weekly podcast here kind of addresses each week, we do have stock base builder training plans available on our website and through Training Peaks. And they come in a 12, 18, and 24-week durations and also a high and a low volume option for each of those durations. So depending on how much time you have available per week to train and how many weeks you have to build your base before you get into a race prep block, as you build up to your A race, you can kind of choose what fits your needs um, in there. And, um, you know, we'll talk more about plotting that out here momentarily, but um, they're a great option to go. They're not maybe exactly what we're doing in our remote base builder program because that we tweak a little bit each year. And... um, but they're very close. The, the overall concept is the same, but some of the like actual minutia of the workout details might be slightly different. But mm-hmm. you could, in essence, purchase um, one of our stock base builder plans, listen to our podcast, and ninety five or even ninety eight percent of it will make sense, um, kind of following along. 
um, that way. So, um, yeah, well, you, you've created a lot of cycling plans and triathlon and Xterra triathlon plans. So, uh, if you're interested, please check it out. Yeah. Um, do you have a special discount code for our podcast listeners? Yeah. So we created a 25% discount code, um, for podcast listeners. So when you, you can learn about the training plans on our website, um, endurance.session6.com under the individual drop-down menu stock plans and then click on base builder and it kind of gives you all the options that'll take you over to training peaks where you actually make the purchase and at that point there's a coupon code box you can enter in all capitals base builder and the number 25 uh, for 25 percent off and that is going to be valid for Forever, I suppose, um, for our podcast listeners. Okay, so, so base builder, all caps, the number twenty-five. Right, base awesome. builder twenty-five. Um, yeah, and take advantage of that and get your base building going. Well, you so. create great plans, and people often ask, you know, what they're going to do next spring when the base builder program is done. So we will plug it more there too. But there's plans for your your entire year. Prep. Yeah. Yep. For different races and events that you might be training for. So. Awesome. Okay, I have one more question question. over here on my side. This is from Michelle Roy, and she writes, Good morning. My partner and I are seeking to race the Steamboat Stinger Stinger in August 2020. I'm looking for recommendations for the plan choices that would include strength and race plan. We are busy and late 40s-something. Okay. Well, that's a great question. I mean, somewhat similar to... um what we just had, kind of a specific training plan question. I think she's come to the right place because we definitely incorporate the strength training and the bike training together in our training plans. Uh, we find that's very important. Um, so for those not familiar with Steamboat Stinger, that's a marathon mountain bike race in Steamboat Springs, Colorado in August, 50-miler. Uh, I have not, neither one of us Yeah, neither one it, of us have But it's it. on our to-do list at some point. Um, it conflicts usually with Leadville, so that's why we haven't really done it um, at this point. But at some point, we'll get to it. Um, so it is a marathon mountain bike race. It is late, you know, summer, I suppose, or mid to late summer um, in August. So what I would recommend for Michelle is get started with your base building now, um, or as soon as you're kind of ready, uh, maybe like in de- December 1st or something. Um, figure out, um, basically you have to figure out how many weeks you have until your race and go with the longest base builder program. So I think at this point she could probably do the 24 week version. That's six months. So if you went December, January, February, March, April, May for base building, and then that would leave you June, July, and most of August. That's actually perfect. About 10 weeks. Um, to do the marathon mountain bike race prep plan. And along the way, you can be doing other races throughout the spring and summer, kind of building up, and um, and then peaking for your main event, which sounds like it's the Steamboat Stinger. So um, that's what I would recommend. And then, like I said earlier, there's, we have low and high volume options for base builder. So depending on how many hours per week you, you'd want to train, you can kind of pick the low or the high volume um, base builder option, get that done, build the strength twice a week in the gym, and then however many bikes per week, depending on which um, plan option, higher low volume you go with, and do that. And then um, by spring, you transfer over to the race prep, and um, you'll be in great fitness at that point, and you can definitely start racing and racing well as you're building fitness towards your, your peak, 
your A race. So, um, good question. Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Um, and that's a good segue actually into kind of our main topic, which is, which is event selection. Um, so I just wrote, do you just, well, were we going to talk about the, what we have coming up in week 14 first? Oh yeah. Let's do that. I suppose. Yeah. Let's zip that out. Okay. So we're entering week 14 of our in-house base builder plan in this, on the strength side, the only new thing really is that we're just going to go a little heavier this week. Our first session, which we do on Mondays in the gym, uh, we touch on two reps at 90% of the back squats and the deadlift. So we're definitely getting heavy. So, you know, do the thorough warm up, do the core work, focus on your form and be ready just to dip your toes in the really heavy water yeah. of two at 90%. Yeah. Yeah. We're also adding some extra reps to our jumping lunges, our, our power moves, and our ball slam. So just building our strength, building our fitness. Yeah. And as we start getting to these heavy lifting sets, the, the, the real, the whole strategy and concept behind our strength training program is that everything we're doing is basically warming us up for those heavier lifts, the back squat and deadlift. So we start with our movement prep, that gets us loosened up. Then we have our core sets, you know, that's still warming us up warming up our core, you know, our abdominal muscles, all the muscles in our torso and trunk and hips and shoulders, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing various planks and, you know, all the numerous things we do um, for the core sets. Um, and then the push and pull sets kind of further mm-hmm. warm us up um, with pushing and pulling, getting like the upper body engaged more and active. So it's like all these things are training in and of themselves, but they're really warming us up progressively more and more for that kind of main set of the deadlift and the squat. Um, And then within the deadlift and squat sets, we build up as well. But um, it's just kind of a fun little way, the way we've designed it to build up. Yeah, and I would strongly encourage people to not skip the mobility at the end of the the session. I, I, I see that sometimes, especially in my noon class. You know, there's people running back to work, and I understand that. But... The five or ten minutes you have at the end of your strength session to open up your thoracic spine, to open up your hip flexors, do it because it catches up to you when, when you go week after week after week of saying, oh, I'll do it later when I get home. Right. And I've been guilty of skipping it right at the end. Yeah, me too, for sure. But I usually sure. do it at home later. You that's know, more that's true. Just try to, get, try to get it done so you don't end up being a big tight ball. Yeah, exactly. Very good. And the bike, what do we have uh, looking forward to this week in the bike trainer classes? Week 14 on the bike. um, Some new stuff, I think. Yeah, it's very similar, but there's one one kind of new thing. Um, We're sticking, still working a lot of the leg speed drills with the spin-ups. The ILTs are becoming very much a strength exercise Mm -hmm. at this point. Big gear, um, you know, muscular endurance, and then more leg speed work and the steady spins at the end of the trainer workouts. The main part, the aerobic sets have gradually evolved from aerobic threshold now to what we call aerobic strength, which is still training aerobic heart rates, but we're incorporating the bigger gear, lower cadence work um, in those intervals. Um, And then Thursday, in following the training program, this gets a little complicated. When I wrote the training program out, I completely forgot Thanksgiving. Um, And so at the gym, at session six, we won't have class on Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay, so... For those listening that are training with us in-house at Session 6, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to make some kind of special workout for Tuesday that will get what I'm going to talk about here in a second, these um, standing climbs with the surges. 
those following along at home, you potentially could get your trainer workout in maybe Thanksgiving morning and then enjoy Thanksgiving. Um, but at any rate, what's on the plan uh, on Thursday is the two by 14 minute aerobic strength interval. So we've gradually progressed. Tuesday's still three by nine minutes. Thursday goes to two by 14 minutes. And as we get to these longer 14 minute intervals, we also introduce a new exercise um, called the surges. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do here is we are standing that big gear low cadence, so big chain ring, little cog. Um, we're doing this in slope mode, by the way, um, or level mode, the non-erg mode. Um, standing up, low cadence, pedaling along like we're climbing a steep hill but keeping our heart rate aerobic. And then the last three minutes of the 14 minutes, at the top of the minute, we accelerate from, let's say, 50 RPM up to about 70, maybe 75 RPM. So we pick up our cadence about 20 to 25 RPM. Mm-hmm. So it's not a sprint per se. Not a sprint. Not a sprint. A it's surge. It's a surge. It's just like a nice ex- strong acceleration. So what happens here, one of the reasons we do this is just to break up the long standing climbs, and we'll do more of these surges as we go. But um, you get to first finally get like this preview into higher power output your heart rate will finally be able to sort of remove the 80 percent of max heart rate cap and then the heart rate will go up a little bit um there's our dog (laughs) (laughs) must be there's a chihuahua um so you're surging for 15 seconds yes and it's definitely a little awkward the first couple strokes to get the pedals going faster right um, and heart rate goes up a little bit, power roughly doubles for mm-hmm. the 15 seconds, and then um, comes back down. So then the fo- remaining 45 seconds of the minute, you go back to that steady cadence of about 50, plodding along, heart rate kind of comes back down a little bit, you get sort of a little pseudo recovery, mm-hmm. and then you surge again at the top of the next minute. So again, you pick up the cadence by about 20 RPMs uh, for the 15 seconds, Heart rate goes up, power goes up, and at the end of those 15 seconds, you bring it back down to the steady climbing cadence. Do you like doing these? I like them a lot. I, I do too. Yeah, they break it up. You're doing some pretty hard work, but they're very segmented, so it's not overly Taxing, fatiguing. Yeah. yeah, and you, you you recover very easily from them, um, and it's also kind of fun. It breaks up, like I said, the monotony yeah, I, of I agree. the longer intervals. Yeah, because so. 14-minute climb can become a little boring. But knowing you have the surges coming yeah. is nice. And we'll do more of those surges in the coming weeks. And so those long climbs get broken up and done. Yeah, I think shorter, it's a so. fun addition to, like, a progression to the workouts. Um, honestly, I just like, I really like um, repeating workouts. I, I like how you've structured it. And then you do a really good job of just adding a little bit of a variation and progressing and progressing progressing so i good job to you cody oh well thank you yeah i think it's it's a good way to move on to the next type of workout yeah yeah so these are fun um all right so that's yeah. week 14 uh, and then still get outside if you can ride tomorrow in denver it's gonna be sunny so we're hoping the roads will be clear enough to ride maybe you're down in arizona it's gonna be gorgeous um, but just get outside and do a longer low heart rate ride um, but if it's nasty weather, you can just be indoors on your trainer and, and repeat a workout from the week. Yes. And even like increase it, right? You could like almost like double. Yeah. You double could double it. it. You could add extra ILTs. You could 
you know, kind of do whatever sounds good to you. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> or yeah. ski or hike or. Yeah. Get some, any kind of low heart rate aerobic training on the weekends for now is definitely good. So, okay. Let's move on to race selection. I want to talk about this and I don't want to run too long. So, um, all right. So well, this is the fun stuff. Yeah. So last episode we talked about goal setting. So more than likely, if you did this, you were thinking about your upcoming season, what your goals are. Usually that involves some, the more like important or probably your A races for Mm -hmm. the year. Um, So now picking the rest of the races, sifting through all the many races out there to do um, and figuring out which ones to do, which ones not to do is kind of step two of the planning your season. Um phase of the the year and kind of what a lot of people are doing this time of year um the next phase of the, or the next part the part three will be actually creating your annual training plan in training peaks if you so desire so once you figure out what your goals are what events you you're doing plotting them into that and then figuring out how your training is going to build you up to peak for your a race or maybe your two a races so um so picking picking your events is so you know like what exactly you're training for and when you're racing and when you're doing the different parts of your training whether it's like building your base, doing your intensity, you know, race prep, peak, you know, tapering and peaking. Um, and your goal setting has likely identified those Right, topics. yeah. I mean, if you're going to make a goal to podium at Marathon Nationals, then one of your A races is Marathon Nationals. So that's right. pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. So using us as examples, our goals last year were surrounding cross-country nationals and marathon nationals. Mm-hmm. Until, for me, a little slightly lesser degree, Leadville, um, kind of in between those two as well. Um, so those are sort of our A races, is that July cross-country nationals and September marathon mountain bike nationals. But those aren't the only two races we're going to do. Um, so what you want to do is create a list of like, to start is like a list of all the races that interest you. Yeah. You may not do them all. Like we had one of the kids on our, we do team, Toby, just give us a list or talk about it Mm -hmm. with us and Ooh, that was a long list. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't matter. It's like, then we started crossing through some, starring some, circling some, planning for some. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes true for people that aren't maybe racers quote-unquote, but are doing, like, gravel events or Fondo events, you know, just write down whatever you're sort of training for, what looks interesting to you, and, you know, you're not committing to anything just yet, but, like, get it all out on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some things to think about, too, are, you know, there's there's kind of two camps. There's people that maybe don't, in my opinion, race enough, so they pick maybe like their one or two like goal races, and those are most likely your A races. And then there's very little after that. You know, maybe there's one race extra or something. To me, it's like, well, why not race more? Um, right. Thing, well, it's sort of like putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. If something happens at that race and you have nothing else to train for. Right. I mean, the the racing should be the motivation, even if it's not a important race, so to speak. It's still the motivation to train and to look forward to maybe what's coming up mm-hmm. in, the, in the near future as you work towards more that longer distance A race. 
and you're putting in all this time and effort and maybe money and, and bikes and things, you know, why not race more? Make sure you kind of get the most out of it that you, you can and that you want to. Yeah, there's a balance, right? You can't. Some people race every weekend, and they're, then they're burned well, out by much, yeah. mid July. Right, right. So racing really is honestly probably the best form of training when we get into like race season, um, because where else do you go that hard and that specific to whatever events you're training for than in an actual race? So that's another reason to do more races. Um, and then lastly, they're just fun. I mean, most people find racing fun. Maybe not necessarily in the moment. There's been many times where I've been in races and I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> I've done the same thing. <laughs> but then afterwards, you know, you're, you're glad. Well, you usually for me, it's like driving there. I just get so worked up beforehand and my stomach is tumbling around and my heart rate won't even slow down driving to a, like up to Winter Park, for example. And I'm wondering, why Why do I put myself put through myself, this? Yeah. Why do I do this? Right. But then after the, in the race, I'm usually loving it. And after the race, of course, I'm on the adrenaline high. Right, right. So they're fun. So make sure you race enough. And on the flip side, don't race too much. You don't want to jam-pack your calendar, like you said, like racing every weekend from you know April to September. Because for one thing, that's very tiring. It's very um, tiring. And... Racing, as as I just said, it racing is often the best training, but racing regularly takes away from the ability to actually train. Because if you are racing, let's say every weekend, you're essentially, which happens a lot of times, like in cyclocross season, um, or if you're training for like a local series where you're racing every weekend or something, it's like you you race really hard for the weekend, then you have to have a couple days of recovery. And then maybe you get like one training session in on Wednesday and then you have to kind of taper and recover and ready for the next weekend race. And what happens is you don't get very much volume and much, you know, enough like training stimulus yeah, to adapt to, to continue progressing your fitness. So when those kind of things happen where you're racing for several weekends in a row, you're not necessarily looking to improve your fitness. You're just kind of maintaining, maintaining and maybe sharpening to some degree. But anyone that races like every weekend, like week after week after week, you're actually losing fitness mm. as you do that. That makes sense. Um, and it take because racing takes away from training because you have to kind of prepare for the race for a couple of days generally, recover a couple of days after the race, and then before you know it, there's the next race. So racing too frequently can take away from training your fitness goes down and then there's always that possibility and likelihood of kind of burning out and having your racing fire get sort of yeah i think that's almost like the biggest problem that can happen like when you start feeling angry about packing your race bag and and you know just sort of grumpy about the whole thing you everybody needs a little bit of time at home and everyone gets sick of right well it's hard to push yourself yeah oh yeah and like over pulling that extra ounce of that special something in a race out of you, you can't do that every time. No. Yeah. So exactly. find the balance. Yeah. So how do you, how do you figure this out though? You, you have your list, then what do you do? Yeah. So then you want to look through and kind of prioritize the different races. So first you want to weed out. I would say in general, most people could race on average like twice a month. Okay. Would be my recommendation. Some people sometimes maybe a little more frequent, other times of the season maybe a little less frequent, so you can do a little more training. Uh, but as an average across the whole 
sort of racing season that might span, let's say, eight months um, with some preseason and late season kind of stuff. You know, two two races a month is a good um, kind of average, I would say. Okay. Um, so right there, figure out what races you want to start sort of eliminating and which ones kind of get you excited. Um, we've already mentioned the A race concept. So you have you want to prioritize races once you start n- narrowing them down. Your A race or A races are your highest priority events. That That's where your goals are around typically. That's where you're really putting all your energy and focus into. And then the other races you can rank as B and C races. And those races should be selected in order to the B races in particularly selected to assist your fitness development towards your A race. Exactly. Okay. And then your C races are the ones that really aren't really that quote important, but you're doing them because maybe you enjoy it. Maybe it's a local one that you really enjoy. Um, or it's something completely different than what you're training for. So if you're training for a mountain bike race, but you want to do a local road race, that would be, more than likely a C race right, um, right, on your calendar. So there's very little kind of pressure for that. You yeah, just no pressure. It's, it's, there's really no priority to it, but you'll get some fitness benefits out of participating. Exactly. So what you want to do is once you've figured out what your A races are, you want to plot those on a calendar. Um, now, typically, most people have one and sometimes two A races within a season. If you have... If bike racing and training is like your main thing, like it is with us, we'll have usually two, kind of an early season A race and a late season A race. Um, for people that kind of build up for one big summer event, let's say, um, they might just have one A race. If you're going to have two A races, in general, you want to try to have about 8 to 12 weeks or so between the two to give you enough time to kind of come down in fitness, like off that peak after the first A race, recover a little bit, then have several weeks to be able to train and rebuild up to the second A race. And quite often, your second A race, you can reach a higher level of fitness and and a a better, quote, peak for that second A race in many cases. So would you not race within that eight weeks between the double peaks? No, you can definitely race. I would recommend it. Now, what races you do, those would be those Bs and C races. Um, and in gen- general, like the B, I call so A is your top priority race. The B races are what I'd call your low priority, and then your C races are your what I call no priority race. Like there's no like there be no taper for it, no right. resting. It's just a good workout. Exactly. So a C race just like you said replaces a workout. The B races are low priority, but they're still a priority. Um, I mean, you're paying money for these. Maybe you're traveling a short distance to these um, and you want to do well. So instead of taking a full taper like you would for an A race to peak, you, you're just going to rearrange your training by a couple of days ahead of time. Most of the time I suggest people take two days before a B race just off um, or very, very easy as a recovery day. And then the day before do like a little opener workout or pre-ride of some kind and then do your B race. And then depending on the duration of the B race, you know, you'll need a day or two or maybe three to recover, and then you resume your training. But you try not to have a too big of a blip in your training exactly. for a, a B race. It's a really blip. no blip for a C race. A C race, there's no blip. So a C race would just replace a workout. Okay. 
and you wouldn't taper or rest or anything. You'd follow the plan. Let's say it's a Saturday criterium. You're going to do whatever the plan says, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're going to do the race on Saturday mm-hmm. um, and then likely do a longer ride on Sunday. You know, there's there's no blip. It's just a, a race that's a, now become like a workout. That's fun. Now, what I don't recommend or what I don't like hearing people say is like, this race is a C race, so I'm just going to like ride it. Like that to me doesn't make any sense. Like if you're going to tow, <clears throat> pardon me, tow the start line of any race, A, B, or C, you should be there to give it your full effort and race it hard. Now, a C race, you might come into within a big training week and you might be tired, so you might not be able to race it to your fullest potential, but on that given day, you're still going to race it well, as hard as you can. Well, case in point was Sunday at the Rattler Cross. Yeah. Like, I rode 50 miles on Saturday. Sophia rode 75. And then we rode two hours even before the race as a... right. An extended warm-up slash endurance, endurance yeah. ride before Because on our plan was a en- four-hour endurance ride, right. but we wanted to do this race. So, so I definitely did, for two yeah, hours, did not go into the race and tapered, and it was fine. You always have more than you think. And I raced my little heart out. Yeah. And was exhausted. Yeah, so it absolutely. Was a, it, was, it was a successful weekend. It was. So don't think of sea races as like unimportant and you're not going to try. Because I've heard people say that sometimes. I think some people say that it you know, before a race to sort of diffuse the pressure a little bit. But they'll say something like, this is just a C race. I'm, you know, I'm just going to ride it, you know. And I, I I just think that's a bad, like, mental, like, psychological thing to ever well, do honestly, a race. Honestly, it's bad sportsmanship, too. True, that's a good argument. But it's just a psychologically to enter a race and not really try doesn't make sense to me. And I think it... It does yeah, things I agree to the wiring you. in your brain. Yeah, just focus on it. Maybe you're not going to give like the extra 1% that at the end you would for your A race, but go hard. Yeah, when the gun goes off, you go hard and you give it your best. And if you're a little tired and your best isn't as good as it normally is, that's okay. Because it's a good time to practice race strategy, fueling well, um, your skills, etc. So do the best you can in every race. Right, exactly. All right, so how many races to do when? You know, we have our A race picked. I recommend usually two to four B races within the buildup to your A race. And then additionally, C races, maybe another two to four. Um, So the maximum, I suppose, would be if you did four C races, four B races, um, that's eight races right there. And then the A race is your ninth race. You know, that's quite a few races. That'd be the top end. I wouldn't recommend any more than that. Um, and then on the low end, you'd be looking at maybe two C races, two B races, so like four races that you're using over two, three, four months as you build up towards your A race. And racing can start... Racing can really be any time on the calendar. It doesn't always have to be in the weeks or even the couple months before an A race, so... You know, our A race is in July, but we're going to start racing in March, you know, several Mm -hmm. months ahead. And, you know, those early season C races and and some of those B races are just great fitness checks to see where you are relative to other people. Kind of blow the dust, you know, the cobwebs Mm -hmm. out. You know, the first race of the season is always, you know, you might be coughing and (laughs) afterwards and really takes a lot out of you. And, you you know, you blow out the cobwebs and all that. Um, and, um, you know, so, 
But what if you have the, the double peak season? So you might oh, have yeah. eight eight races max leading up to your first A race. You take a rest, and you might have what like four more races leading up. It's po- yeah, it's or, po- like the same sort of recommendation two to four b's two to four c's now if you only have an eight week window you're not going to obviously do four of each of those because i'd be racing every week so again sticking to that like race on average every other week um and it depends how many weeks you have but in general coming off one a race looking at a second one that's 10 or 12 weeks away you'll probably get a couple b races and maybe one or two c races in there um, because you need those one for training and also just to keep the energy systems all firing and use them for motivation as you build up to your next race. So okay. over the course of an entire, let's say, eight-month-ish full racing season, you know, you might have two A races and, you know, four or five B races, four or five C races. You know, that's 10, 11, 12, Yeah, I, th- I think races. last year when we mapped out our year, we had about 15 races total. Yeah, and I ended up doing zero, but I think you did about 15, 15 or 16. And we were worn out. I was, I said, I include myself. I was worn out just from going to the races, but I think it was, um, it was a full basket by the end of the, uh, the season. Yeah. It's a lot. <clears throat> Pardon me. But, um, I mean, but we, it was fun. Yeah. Like we, we, train we traveled all winter, and let's, let's race all summer. And we, we tried different styles of racing. It was a, it was a great year of racing. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, I think I already sort of said this, it's like your B races should be somewhat similar to your A race goals mm-hmm. and using them as like stepping stones or buildups or practice for your A race. So if you're training for a hundred mile mountain bike race, you're not necessarily going to do a hundred mile mountain bike race before, although you might maybe two months out, but you would certainly want to probably do a couple of like 50 mile marathons mm-hmm. in the prep building up to that hundred um, or, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if you're a criterium racer, you're, you know, a lot of your B races will be criteriums, um, and then maybe a longer road race or something in there as well. Um, where the C races can be very different. So for example, um, you know, we might do like a gravel race or a Fondo or something in our training that will help us lead up to, um, you know, cross country nationals or something right, like right. that. So um, the C races are like, can be very much like the local races that you either want to do or like to do. They can be very different. You know, like last year I did a road race in April, mm-hmm. um, just cause I wanted a really good workout and, um, well, you guys did that stage race too. And that was really more of training. I would have called that a C race. Yeah. Stage races. Exactly. So we weren't necessarily training for this stage race, but we used the stage race as a C race, three days of racing as a workout as a training block mm-hmm. to build up towards our goal. Yeah, that was a good races. one. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of ways to do that. And so then the last piece of the puzzle, once you've made your list, you've filtered through things, you've prioritized your A, B, and C races, get out a calendar. I'm a big fan of those big plastic calendars you get at like the office stores, um, laminated calendars, I should say, that are like dry erased. And write your A races on there. I'm a visual person. And then go in and then write your B races on the calendar and then write your C races and look through it and make sure it makes sense timing wise. Definitely get your spouse or partner on board looking at it, making sure it jives <laughs> with the family schedule. Um, 
if you're a youth athlete, parents, you know, are probably... Yeah, you might want to ask your parents <laughs> if they'll, they'll fly you out to races. Um, plot it out on that calendar and make sure it makes sense. And then, like I just said, check timing-wise and budget-wise mm-hmm. because races are expensive. I mean, most races these days are pretty expensive and, um, you know, it racing up, 10 yeah. races adds up to quite a bit. So you see, you know, which which races are worth splurging and paying the, that premium price for and, you know, which races are local races that maybe aren't that bad um, that you can fill in some of the gaps and make it work. Because sometimes if you volunteer for races, if it's a series, they'll give you a free entry to another one. So you could start thinking about those things. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of work through different strategies like that. So, um, cool. Well, I thought I'd wrap it up going through, like, anecdotally, like, our oh, yeah. okay. potential list of races of what we're looking at. So I already mentioned we were going to start racing as early as March, uh, with our A races being early July and mid-September. Um, so... What do we... And so in March, we're going out to California and Arizona? Yeah. So so looking at our A races, um, it's like July 10th, I believe. And then we have about a, well, it's about a four and eight, about a 12-week block, basically, from our first A race to our second A race. Okay, so that works perfect. perfectly. All right. Um, and so before that first July A race, yeah, we we're in March, we we're looking at doing two C races, um, whether they be in California or Arizona has yet to be determined. Oh, okay. Because gotcha. that's one of the tricky parts planning ahead is sometimes race dates aren't completely like solidified just mm, yet, okay. in, you know, November, December. Most of them should be, you're getting very close, but some of those California mountain bike races, I've heard rumors may or may not happen. So we're waiting to hear. We have, you know, backup plans for Arizona races if need be um, in March. And then April, those would be, both be C races, by the way, for us. Early season, you know, California people, Arizona people are going to be in top shape in March. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be just coming out of base. So <laughs> um, C races for us, for sure. Um, then April, looking at the Sea Otter Classic in mm-hmm. Monterey, California. Yeah, that, that was a fun That's one an awesome year. race. A C race for us, because again, it's early. Um, but we definitely want to do that because it's really a fun race. Um, gets us excited to think about. Um, and then following that up with the Whiskey 50 Off-Road in Prescott, Arizona, the Epic Rides race. That is a fun race. That's a really cool race. So that, yeah. that one we have is a B race because it's a little bit more important to us and we want to do well. Um, and hopefully we'll be in a little better race shape, shape. Exactly. by that, by that by race. By kind of late April. Mm-hmm. Um, then May, I have three races penciled in. Um Early May, there's a Soldier Hollow. So in Utah, there's a UCI-level um, cross-country mountain bike race that we'll likely do. We did it last year. It was fun. Um, a C race for us, although for our We Devo kids, that'll be a B, B-plus race. Um, and then <laughs> Grand Junction off-road, potentially. I'm interested in that. You're oh, not, no, thank you. You're not quite as interested in that. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I'd like to do more of the epic rides races so that's a b race um mid mid to late may and then the very end of may um iron horse actually i think the iron horse this year's because they moved grand junction back but anyway the iron horse bike classic in durango yeah we've talked about that one for a few years and haven't made it happen so yeah i did that decades ago ago, yeah yeah like back when i was a junior just out of juniors but okay um, that's a maybe yeah so that that would be a c race because again it's local in quotes but um, just kind of a fun one that gets us excited. It's not yeah, yeah. important to us necessarily, but 
um, from a result standpoint, but um, a fun one to do. So that would be a C race. In June, um, so now we're getting closer and closer to our A race. We have two kind of loose ones picked out, either GoPro Cross Country in Vail, which we have done the last several years. It's a fun one. Or the Missoula um, XCT mountain bike race, depending on, you know, if that one happens. Um, and then the Carson City off-road possibly in late hmm, June. So it's the third epic rides. Okay. Um, kind of feeling a theme here of hitting these epic rides races. That's one I've wanted to do. Yeah, we've talked um, about that one. I've raced some triathlons up in that area before Lake Tahoe, and th- this one just sounds really cool. Carson City, and then finally in July would be peaking um, for cross-country nationals. Then from between mid-July to mid-September, um, we'd have those 12 weeks to then recover a little bit, build up some fitness. I'm eyeballing Leadville 100 as part of a stepping stone of building fitness, getting some long rides in. Um Possibly the Steamboat Gravel Race, we'll see. Those would be sort of B-plus races for me, I suppose. And then continuing to train through um, August and early September, maybe using the Fall Classic. It's a local mountain bike race in Breckenridge. Oh, yeah, we've, we've talked about in that in the past, too. Um, as a C race in building up for Marathon Nationals, which is in Texas, September 12th, I believe, as our second A race. Um, and then wrapping things up, possibly there's a new race called the Pikes Peak Epic Stage Race in Colorado Springs at the very end of September that looks really cool, but it's a brand what, new race. Uh, what is it? I haven't heard of it's it. It's like a four-day stage race. Mountain bike or? Spring. Mountain bike, or, yeah, okay. in Colorado Interesting. Springs. Interesting. So that would be sort of a fallout if we have any energy left. Are we running on fumes? Yeah, we might but, be. Well, but if you do a, a good recovery block after your first a race that can help that's that's huge yeah that is the big piece is taking that week off and we'll address that definitely in a future podcast episode inserting the recovery weeks within a racing season so um so all said and done one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen that's 16 races so that might be a little um what would be the word vigorous i I don't know you did it last year so yeah um I mean, I've been doing this for years, so I know I'm relatively capable of it. And so we'll just have to address things on your end. But that gives us our plan, you know, of events that we've now loosely selected. Well, Cody's loosely selected. And... I, you could probably hear my surprise at some of them. But it's, I, I have fun doing the planning with you um, because I like to travel with you. Yeah. it's it's really it's We had so much places. fun going to Sea Otter last year. We took the camper really van cool. up up the coast of California. That was such a fun memory. So yeah, it's fun. It's fun to go see different parts. Yeah. So hopefully going through a list, picking your events gets you kind of excited and motivated. Um, if you weren't already to be training now this time of year and, um, they're those carrots that you're working towards. So, um, I know I'm excited. Yeah. All right. And we'll have fun planning, people. If you have questions, send us an email. Yeah, questions is always Cody at Session6.com or Kathy at Session6.com. And um, next week we'll be back with part three of the planning process, and we'll talk about more of the some of the nerdier technical stuff if you're interested in training peaks of how to set up your annual training plan, plot your training progressions. Our base builder program takes care of a lot of that. Uh, but then what to do after that and how to – build your fitness around all the races now that you've selected and what that could look like. So, um, I like the nerdy stuff. So yeah, I probably won't talk much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right, great. So if you like what you're hearing, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, 
um, or Google Podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. Those things help us get good rankings and get it out to more people. And um, we'll keep it going. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.